Hi, everyone. It's time for another episode of Rebecca and Rebecca. My name is Rebecca Yager, and as y'all know, my partner in crime is Rebecca Reed. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Doing well. Hey, it's February. It's Valentine's. We're in our reddish finery here to celebrate the month. And of course, this month, we've had a contemporary romance with the fabulous author, Rachel D. Russell. Rachel, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to talk story with you and about your writing journey. 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 <laughs> and, uh, journey. Are new words. Yeah, we, we can invent authors. them. We create things. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Creating new words as we speak. All right. Uh, Rebecca, in that case, uh, why don't you read uh, Rachel's bio so people can actually understand who she is and what it's okay. all about? We'll dive into our conversation. <laughs> I'd love to. Award-winning Rachel author. I almost skipped things. See, I'm not doing very well today either. Uh, Award-winning author Rachel D. Russell writes contemporary inspirational romance focused on forgiveness, redemption, and grace. She's a country girl living in the suburbs whose resume includes presenting live animal reptile programs, being a park ranger, a reserve police officer, and a stint in federal prison where she worked, not lived. She makes wild attempts to balance writing under publisher deadlines with her full-time career with the federal government. When Rachel's not cantering her horse down the Oregon beaches, she's probably interrogating her husband on his own military and law enforcement experience to craft believable heroes in uniform. The rest of her time is spent enjoying her active family, including two college-age sons and three keyboard-hogging cats. Thank you. I I, I gotta love that. Okay, number one, Rachel, uh, you don't look old enough to have college age sons. Um, (laughs) Number two, you're a busy woman. I, yeah, yeah. So balancing writing with work is a challenge, I'm sure. It's, it's really been a huge hurdle for me. Um, you know, it's funny because before we, um, we got on here, I actually, you can see, I have my, my writer board behind me and I realized my, my first deadlines under contractor on that. And, um, at that time I worked three quarter time, but, um, still a lot of hours at the day job and my deadline for my first manuscript was due, um, let's see. Five, no, yeah, five months, four months, four months, less than four months from brainstorm to first manuscript draft due. Oh, I don't even know how I did that back then. Um, so and we, I actually had two books under that contract. So the second book, it was similarly just really tight, really tight deadlines. Um, and the, in hindsight, that wasn't necessarily the best thing for my health, um, but it is hard. You know, as writers, we that ball gets rolling and you have opportunities and you seize the day and you're just, you're, you're um, you know, nose down at the keyboard. Unfortunately, I work at a keyboard during my day job. So then I was coming home and, and writing all evening and all weekends, um, not taking vacations. And uh, it was a lot of stress. And I think um, 
you know, even now it's something where I've had to turn away opportunities and it took a lot for me to reach that point, but it was kind of, um, it was necessary. It's, it's necessary to reach a point where I can, um, surrender my career to God and trust that even when I have to say no, or I'm sorry, I can't, that honoring the caring of my self <laughs> mm-hmm. is, is going to be, um, rewarded. It's not the right word, but, um, that that's the right, the right thing to do. And, um, I still, you know, even now I work, um, a little over a year ago, I had to convert from three quarter time to full time and still writing under deadline, contracted deadlines. And it's, it's been a, a very, um, hard year. Uh, I've been burning vacation days to do my writing and, um, something I'm really praying about and wrestling with right now. And I think a lot of people do that, um, who work day jobs and also write, especially when it's under contract, because you have those externally imposed deadlines and, um, different personalities handle it differently. Another person in my same position could probably just be cranking out the books. Mm -hmm. Um, my process is a little longer and, you know, just, Working that out has been um, a lot of growth for me to um, kind of get to a point where I understand that I I have to say no sometimes. I think even like I'm I haven't been published yet, but even me, I've put on my own deadlines sometimes, and it's like they're not it's not quite the same because a publisher deadline is is much you can't move that <laughs> you know that's a you have to hit that. And I get that. But even with me, I'm really um, I'm kind of a completion oriented person. And so I love, you know, that feeling of, OK, I got that done. And I tend to focus my energies really hard on whatever it is that I feel is the priority at the moment and let everything else go. And I've this just in this last few months, actually, I've kind of gotten to the point where it's like, it's OK if I don't write for five hours today, you know, or if on a Saturday or whatever, cause that's, that's what I would tend to do. And it's like, it's okay if we had a missionary that came and spoke to our church the other day. And it's like, we went out to lunch with them afterwards. And I said, you know, it's okay that I'm not working on my book right now. I can take this opportunity to speak to this missionary and learn more about what's going on and, and enjoy my lunch and not be lamenting the fact that I'm not yeah. at my computer, you know? <laughs> So I understand what you're saying, even though I'm not, you know, it's not quite the same, but it's still, it's a process that you have to, and I think other people are the same way. There's a lot of professions where, you know, you have to take your work home with you a lot. And I, as a teacher, I did that a lot when I was young, learning to teach, you know, and I took my work home with me all the time. And at at some point, I mean, I've been teaching for 23 years now, so I do not bring anything home anymore unless it's absolutely necessary. If I can't get it done at work, it will wait. Like I'm, it has, and I've finally learned to separate that. And and I think writing is the same way and any, probably a lot of other things too, but it's a hard lesson to learn though. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not alone there uh, at all, Rachel. Um, And, and you, you weren't being paid to endorse this, but you found a book that was very helpful to you by Becca Syme, Write Better Faster. Yeah. It's actually a coaching 
class. Oh, sorry, coaching class. So, and, and it taught you to, to accept your process and try not to play the comparison game. Am I understanding that right? With, with, yeah, other you know, she kind of dives into, um, you know, we do Myers-Briggs, um, you know, a lot of people are, have done that at one point or other in their life. And then the Clifton strengths. And I had never done a Clifton strengths test. Um, but you, you answer a bazillion questions and it kind of, you know, you kind of see where, um, what's strongest for you. And, you know, of course we all live on this, you know, spectrum of different strengths and stuff, um, and where we land, but, uh, one of her key phrases is question the premise. And I found that a really valuable tool um, because we, for me, I'm a really strong learner. That's one of my my strengths. I'm a learner. I love to learn. Um, but when I learn from people, you know, learn from these authors who are great, great authors, they're great teachers, but it doesn't quite, when you try to apply it, it's not quite working the way it works for them. <laughs> and you're like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I write this way? Why can't I, you know, whether it's, you know, outlining this technique or outlining that technique. And you, again, you see it work, you see it even work for their other students, but it doesn't work for you. And her question, the premise comes back to everything that people convey and teach you carries with it some assumptions underlying it. And you have to consider, are your goals the same as that author or teacher, whatever it is you're learning about, but we'll use authors um, as author teachers, you know, is, is, are the goals the same, you know, what's their personality the same? Are they, um, is their life situation the same, where they're at in their career the same? Odds are none of those things are exactly the same, but how much they're different is going to affect how well, what they're teaching you may be able to be uh, incorporated into your techniques. So, um, you know, for some people, you know, that you would hear people say, you got to write every day. That's mm -hmm. the thing. That's what you do. You write every day. And for a select number of people that works mm -hmm. for others, it doesn't. And there's no right or wrong. And we tend to get into this black and white. Oh, this is the way you do it because this brings success. And it makes sense to say, write every day, practice what you want to do, keep after it. Um, like Rebecca, I am a block writer. I tend to be like a submarine, like I, and, and it's all in alignment. I didn't know this till I took her class. It's all in alignment with who I am as a person. I get super heavy focused. And so um, you know, this is why you have some authors that write in the coffee shop. And some of us are like, how do you even do that? It's, it's all because of who we are and there's no right or wrong. We have to really be comfortable in, um, finding what actually works for us and not assuming that what somebody else has that works will work and apply specifically to us. You know, other people are, um, you know, some people can impose self-imposed deadlines and that works for them. Other people are like, they need somebody else to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. um, some people can say, well, I know I write X number of words an hour. And that means I can write this, you know, 60,000 word novel in this many work sessions, which is mm -hmm. this many, and they can calculate it all out. Mm -hmm. And it's something they can recreate again and again. And, and it, it works for them. And then like me, somebody asked me how many words a minute I write. I have no idea. I mean, 
I can type super fast. If only we could write as fast as we can type, right? Yes, I wish. <laughs> I but, wish. Um, I just, I don't create that way. And um, so again, that was something I kept thinking, well, I should be able to calculate out how long this book will take me. I, I should, I should, I should. That's just not how I create. And she had this beautiful analogy of, um, so on Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. Um, and the in intuitive people, I still, I, I still plot. Of course, she would say everybody plots. I mean, books have a plot. So if you're writing a book, you're plotting how much you plot, you know, versus pantsing. But um, we all are creating a plot as we write. But she had this beautiful analogy of the snow globe. And somebody like me, I have to get inside the snow globe. I have to feel and touch and be in the snow globe. And that is how I get to know my characters is I kind of rough out the story. And then I have to like walk in it to know what my characters are thinking and feeling. Whereas somebody else, they can from, you know, they can write a very detailed um, spreadsheet outline of their book. Scene mm -hmm. by scene, they know exactly what their characters are going to be thinking, feeling, doing as they walk on every single scene. I might generally know. And it took a lot for me to, to like admit that to myself because I'm like, I'm, I like organization. So I'd like to say I'm like a super hardcore outliner. Yeah, I totally plot and I'm finding I'm not as much of, I, I, I like that looseness. I like to be able to um, feel my way through mm -hmm. the story a little bit. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Um, <laughs> I'm like that too. And I, I think, well, I totally pants all five of the first novels that I wrote and didn't have, I mean, a part of that was just because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And part of it was, I think it's my natural way of doing things, but yeah. I did enjoy, I mean, I am glad I learned how to plot because now at least I can kind of give myself some logical goals of getting to this point, to this point, to this point. And it, it really did help me write shorter books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and anyone who has listened to us before knows that Rebecca writes a lot of words <laughs> really long ones yeah. and then I end up breaking them into like three novels when I'm done and you know <laughs> that kind of thing but no but I I understand what you're saying and and I think there's no way to figure out your own method until you actually are just doing it and I think it's just like, I don't know why we as authors tend to want to take one person's method and just think it should just apply to us. But because in any other um, business, like I'm a track coach and we go to a track clinic every year and everybody's like, well, you know, this isn't going to work for everybody to take what, you know, works for you. And, but authors tend to want to just adopt a certain like <laughs> way of doing it. And it's like, but you need to take all of those different methods and blend them because then it's going to become your method so i i completely get what you're saying do you think that's because writing is just so hard we're still looking for that that one magic bullet that's yeah. gonna yeah. Us? I, I think that's Probably. very true we want to find the method that you know because you see that teacher and usually it's a published author especially if you go to writing conferences mm -hmm. it's a, a a published author who has written books and books you like, and you think, Oh, I'm going to be like them. Hmm. Maybe not. So it is, it is finding your own way to work. That's why we have plotters, pansters, somewhere in between 
folks. Um, you know, but it's really cool because that also is really why we can all be authors because nobody can tell the story the way we do because nobody thinks the way we do or feels the way we do. I mean, we don't create the same. And the single, the problem we're discussing is also the benefit and the reason yeah. that we need to write our stories. So it's, you know, it's cool. That's that a really valuable cool. insight. I, I, I think considering that um, because we can also minimize why, you know, why my story, why, what makes the way I write this story um, different. And so honoring that it is, it is different just because of how we're wired and how we create our experiences, um, whatever crazy things are happening in our lives, all woven into that tapestry of the story. That's, that's well, well put. We're writing, I mean, when we write as Christian authors, at least, you know, we're writing the story with, with God. And, and so he's got something unique for each of us. And so that, therefore, as long, you know, if we're creating the story with him, there's no way that our story is going to be like anybody else's because we're all unique people and he has created us in that way. And so it guarantees that even if we took the same tropes and the same, basic characters we're still not going to come up with the same story yeah makes it makes it well speaking of story let's talk a little bit about it's your love which is the, the book we read for this month and that both rebecca and i really enjoyed um oh, thank you we highly recommend it rebecca right told everyone to go oh, buy absolutely. it <laughs> thank you <laughs> And stuff. I mean, you but got first, me a horse, but yeah, I was about to say Rebecca loved the horse part, which I love horses, <laughs> but y'all are the horse horse people. But speaking of the horse people, you you mentioned that the the most interesting thing you learned was there's a lot of lingo that comes along with people who are in the horse world. Or yeah, horse which I'm sure applies to so many different hobbies and careers and such. But you know, to me, horses are such an ordinary, everyday part of life. It's that um, I just, it didn't occur to me that language I use, other people might not know. And when I submitted my draft, um, the editor was like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> and it was hilarious. I mean, one of the phrases that stuck out was, um, and I, I ended up reworking it in the, the story, what I had originally had that she kissed the horse into a canter. And, you know, to me, that's just something you do. You make a kissing sound with your lips and you, my horse responds to that like that. But she's like, what does this mean, Rachel? And so then I was like, oh boy. And, you know, writing it so that, um, you know, you can't introduce this kind of stuff where like every word you use, you define so trying to use, use it in context so people would understand what it is. I mean, even something as simple as, you know, a halter versus a bridle. To me, it's like, doesn't everybody know that? And I don't mean that in an insulting way, but it's like, I just thought everybody knew the difference. And learning that I people don't always know the difference. Some people have no idea. Um, so writing the story in a way that, still used proper language as much as possible, but also sometimes I had to just kind of describe actions that were happening or, or use more um, common language to talk about things. 
and um, say the same thing, but in a way that everybody could understand. But even still, it was funny. And and two, you know, part of reading, we learn new words by the context, how they're used. So um, I knew I couldn't, you know, there were going to be some words that people might just kind of skim over, but they still understand what was happening um, with it. Uh, one of the ladies at my Bible study, she said, yeah, I had, I had no idea what barrel racing was, but I figured, you know, what was racing with horses. <laughs> I'm like, that's all you need to figure out. I mean, <laughs> but um, that was really eye-opening to me because I just, it never, I mean, I live in a, in a pretty rural kind of area, even, you know, smallish town. I grew up in the country. Everybody had a horse or knew somebody that had a horse. So um, it was just integral to my whole entire life. So it was surprising, but also super. That's where having those readers, you know, the editors and readers who have a totally different background reading that story before it's going to publication that could be like, can you maybe explain? <laughs> you're like going over everybody's head with these <laughs> words well i i think you did a good job because i felt like i kept up with all the the horse lingo okay. in the story and at the camp so for grayson and beth one comment we had for the review was that they both seem to be running from things in different ways i thought they were really deep characters really felt real. I mean, they kind of left off the page and I wanted to go play at the camp with them yeah, and too. get to know them um, better. But was there any inspiration or is it as the story developed that you were able to add the layers to your characterization of one or both of them? The layers, these two characters, I know every author probably says they love their characters and I, every book I write, I love my characters, but Grayson and Beth were super special to me and I don't, I can't like really put my finger on it. Um, but they were with me through some really, really hard things in life. Um, including my mom, um, being diagnosed with cancer and subsequently passing away. That was a, um, you know, a, a seven month process that happened while I was writing this book. And, um, you know, reading her, the, uh, you know, is reading to her my scenes and um, just the heart of connection with family and the fear of loss. And how do we trust God when we know we're not guaranteed no pain? And so, a lot of that just, I think, flowed <laughs> into the story as um, those emotions, you know, I I really felt deeply for both those characters. To me, I, they're very real people <laughs> and I hope they're real to my readers because, um, yeah, they were both, you know, we, we run and we fear and we, um, when we can find that that place to stand and when we can have someone stand beside us and help us um, step into what God has for us, how super special that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, I thought 
sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm like, that's well said. I almost, yeah. let's stop there. That was great. <laughs> that was great. Well, I thought, you know, that you had to know these characters super well because they, the, the black moment that you had in this story or the the darkest time when, when everything was going wrong in the story was the most perfect dark moment, black moment that I've read in, I don't know how long. And I've, we've been oh, reading a lot of books and I was just like, this fit so perfectly for each of them, you know, the actual things that went wrong and what they had to deal with. And I was just so super impressed by how you brought them to their knees, basically. so that they could then, come out the other side, you know, stronger. And you just, it was so perfect with what you built up and how it happened. And I, I just wanted to let you know that I was, I was in awe. As a matter of uh -huh. fact, I rewrote part of my story because of reading your story. Uh -huh. Because I didn't think mine was good enough. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit was walking with me through that story. I mean, it just, um, I would have these moments where um, it would just be like, it would like kind of just, I'd be wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And then this spark would just kind of come to me. And I'd be like, that's, that's, that's it. Because you do want that part of the story to feel so organic and not contrived. And um you know, when I, when I write those, when I write that part of every book, if I'm not bawling, I'm not there yet. And, um, because I want, you know, it, it has to, has to feel that hard for us. You know, that's what invokes us to change as people is often the, the hurt, the pain, that black moment in our lives where, um, we really, we look around and be like, how did I get here? And man, this hurts. And what am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's true. So, and I think what Rebecca was saying too, it did, I was, my first thought was nothing in your book was contrived. It, it felt real. It felt like we were walking, you know, these were our friends, Grayson and Beth are our friends and we're walking with them through the struggles. And then anyone who's been through, the struggles can relate to them and it can be inspiring. And this is what some people who are, who are, who won't read fiction because they don't think it's real or, you know, it's too pie in the sky, but no, it really can help you. And it really can encourage you um, by watching what the characters go through in the story. I think. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Romance can get a little bit of a bad rap. Mm -hmm. People think it's fluffy. It's, you know, not deep enough. And, um, or it's too, it's fake. Cause there's, you know, the happy ever after, but um, I just, I think it's got so much roots because don't we long for relationship. We're wired for relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we can, we can really uh, experience the depths of God's love often through um, the people he brings into our lives that love us in our imperfections mm -hmm. and our flaws. And have yeah. us come out stronger with, with, by walking with him and having Absolutely. Him knowing he's there on the other side. 
Oh, I love okay. the way you think, Rachel. <laughs> this is awesome. I was going to say, you know, what, what fiction can do, romance fiction especially, is it can take a person who knows they have a, an issue but isn't able to speak it you know like they know there's something going on they know they have a, they're wrestling but they're not able to verbalize the problem and, and fiction can take can give them words for what they're dealing with that's what that's what i think is yes yeah well so that's it's your love and again go buy it <laughs> if you haven't bought it have, so i have it right here oh good there you go <laughs> it's so beautiful too i mean you put it on your shelf and isn't that cute look at the gorgeous arm it. and yeah it's 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 it, really pretty it's it just cool. needed like a horse head or something <laughs> but, you know but that's okay it'll be okay yeah. You'd want, a horse on, you'd want a horse on every cover if you could. <laughs> I read every horse, every book in my library when I was in school, if it had a horse on it, I read it. It didn't matter what it was about. I didn't care if it had a horse on it. I read it. So I understand the draw of you know, the animal. It doesn't matter what kind of story it was. So. You know, the problem is with publishing houses is they don't, necessarily no horses right. and so um my my house is i i'd have some direct connection to make corrections but it hurts my my horse heart <laughs> when i see authors books per, put out and you know it's like say it's a west it's about a uh uh western writer you know whether they're a rope or rain or whatever and the horse on the cover has english tack yeah. and you're like yeah. hmm yeah. Or, you know, it's got a Frisian stallion and it, it's about a, a whatever quarter horse Palomino. <laughs> right. No, right, I, so I understand that even because there's a book right now and I'm not going to name any names or anything, but it's a horse racing book and the horse on the cover is running the wrong way. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it immediately and I'm like. Oh, is oh it dear. like water? Is it the other side of the equator? And it's going well, I don't know. I'm not sure, but all right. But don't blame the author. That's what we're going to tell you. The don't blame the author. Yeah, it was a publishing house. It wasn't an indie published book or anything. So like, not they their always fault. don't have control. Right. <laughs> oh. All right. So, uh, Rachel, tell us before we go all sidetracked here <laughs> on that. Um, what do you have coming up next? What are you working on? I am a little past halfway um, through my next manuscript. And it is, um, it's with Sunrise Publishing. It's in a brand new world. I can't say a whole lot about it, but um, I, I think I can say um, there is a fudge shop involved mm -hmm. and um, that it is in a new world, never before seen. And uh, it will be part of a series. Uh, it's it's been it's been hard for me to write this one. Um, I kind of had a little uh, stroke of of um, creativity. Um, I, I wrung creativity out of myself, so I wrote oh ten thousand words in the last four days, which for me is a lot. Yeah. That included the entire weekend and a vacation day. 
<laughs> but I got them on the page and that pushed me um, past the halfway mark. So um, I'm going to keep pressing through. I'm hoping to actually turn this one in early uh, just to give myself a break and um, be able to rest. I'm looking forward to rest. Well, that will rejuvenate your creative side, which I know includes watercolors and uh, other things you like to do. Flute playing? Am I, I do play flute, yeah. Flute, watercolor, riding my horse. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so much in common. <laughs> so, sounds like you two should write a book together. The we should. <laughs> could play flutes while riding horses. Horse, <laughs> Come up with something there and stuff. Oh, actually, uh, a really cool fantasy idea. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. I should say that book won't release till 2025. So, but you know, people can kind of follow along and see the progress as things get released about they it. Can join your newsletter so they don't miss any of the updates, right? Yes. Uh, they can sign up at rachelderussell.com and they get a free chapter. And I, um, I do not spam. I, I try to send out once a month. <laughs> Sometimes that flags and lags a little bit, but um, more or less once a month. And um, I've been working on some fun kind of freebies for my subscribers, just uh, download printables, things that they can use that are um, fun for readers and writers too. Good. So Rachel D. Russell dot com sign up today rachel is there any parting words you want to give us or are we good we're good but thank you so much for having me this has been fun oh well we really appreciate it and such words of wisdom here i think really yeah. inspirational for today yeah. and we appreciate that so um next month we have ea hendrix we are going to a romantic space opera world totally different from contemporary romance uh, with uh, Suspended in the Stars is our next book. So if you're into uh, uh, space stuff, space operas, we will uh, be checking that out. That's going to be a new genre for us. But meanwhile, it is February. So enjoy It's Your Love by Rachel D. Russell. And Rachel, once again, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone, that's it for now. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye.